Okay, One thing sorry. that I think people, uh, Singaporeans spend a lot of money on stupidity, I think it's Siam Tiu. I, I don't get it. Oh, okay. I do not get it. And my friends have told me that it's that. like, oh no, you don't understand when you're there. Uh, the atmosphere will get you. Then don't go. La. Like, why would you put yourself <laughs> in that situation? Don't go. Welcome to another episode of Becoming Friends With. This is the show where I invite you guys to come down and join me in becoming friends with a very special guest. So thank you so much for coming here today. I'm really excited to introduce my guest for today and it's none other than Go Wei Chun who is co-founder of The Woke yeah. Salary Man. Hi, hi, hi. Thank you, thank you, thank you. For those of you who don't know who The Woke Salary Man is, they are Singapore's biggest web comic. They create financial literacy content and they've grown to almost 300,000 followers across their social media platforms in just a little over a year. Just recently, Prime Minister Lee Sen Long actually reshared one of their yeah, web comics. Yeah, onto his Madness. Instagram feed, which is crazy. But today we're just gonna sit down and just find out a little bit more about the man or co-man behind the work salary man. I just said man a lot of times. Yeah. No. Yeah. But okay, kicking things off. The first question is just, yeah, like how did the work salary man start? That's how it started. Like maybe I thought about my relationship with my co-founder first. So my relationship with my co-founder, like we have been friends since Polly and we did a lot of stupid stuff in Polly together. So I know a lot of his not say dirty little secrets, but I know things about him that he might not be proud of, and vice versa. We never worked together until we were at one of our previous gigs where he was a writer and I was a, just an art director or artist designer kind of role and uh, it was like a local news website called Mothership so we would sometimes collaborate together where he would have an idea for like a little, you know those one panel comic things so he'd say hey that will be a cool thing in response to some news that's happening so we worked together a bit there and it was, we had quite a good synergy A year before Work Hammers even started we always talked about yeah, how to make money, how do we escape 9 to 5 red race, like hate my job, this kind of thing. We've been talking like for a long time before and then he would try stuff now and again. And I also try stuff like I try to start my own like webcomic platform called Chunzot that you know I never made money like, but I mean it's, it's just I play and mess around with webcomics for fun. And he would for example write a lot of articles and, and something that we were both passionate about was personal finance and, and he, he's a bit more advanced than I am. He's, he's been investing before I have. So whenever I have some questions about money, I would ask him. Work Ceremony started with an article that was titled How I Made 100K Before I Reached 30. So this was not my achievement, nah, this was my co-founder's achievement. And he wrote an article about it on Medium. So pure text with some clip art, shitty clip art that he found on Google. Did quite well and he said, hey, why not you draw some drawings for it? you know, just to complement the article, and then we put it on Facebook. We did that la, and it did quite well. Like, it got like 6,000 6, shares, which is which blew which my mind. Which very well. Yeah, it's, it's not yeah. something to, you know, ignore. La. So we were like, hey, this could be something, then should we do more? And then we started doing more. La. So that's kind of how it started. That's so cool. Okay, yeah. so you were talking about how you are both very passionate about personal finance, yeah. right? But I know that you're an art student, yeah. so you studied art in yeah. university and everything. So how do you end up being passionate about personal finance when oh. I feel like that's actually the last thing an artist would think about. Yeah, so so, so we met in uni, right? Bachelor's in uh, NTU AD, uh, Art Design Media School. So what made me care was that when I graduated that I realised that I had a debt of $25,000 to pay. That realisation made me go, wow, like how am I going to pay this off? Yeah. And then that worry made me wake up. Like, that's why we are called the woke salaryman like, in a way. Like, a lot of people associate the term woke with being 
social very justice warrior. Social justice consciousness, which I guess it could be, but like for me, it's more about literally. I wake up lah from my illusion of I'm just a kid. I'm you know I'm exploring myself and finding out who I am. To really then I need to wake up and sort this stuff out, which is my negative bank balance. <laughs> yeah, so that was that worry that. So then really. you started what reading out about it or like. So I I started reading ah uh, my first book that I read about it was Rich Dad Poor Dad. That was the entryway for everybody to get into personal finance because it's very easy to read and he writes it in a way. And the analogy of rich dad poor dad and the mindset of a rich dad versus mindset of poor dad is fantastic. I loved it. Even as successful and as widespread as that book was, I also felt like for me as a visual learner, I wish that there was something else that I could rely on. It's one of the regrets, not regrets. The the things that I wish I had was the ability to neutrally look at the work assignment and enjoy the work because I can't do that. I I draw it so. I can't take a step back and really assess it properly, and I I don't know how. I wish something like this was around lah, you know, like like a manga or something that helped me understand personal finance concepts. Because, like I said, as an artist, right? I think artists are naturally inclined to not be very savvy about things like this. So it yeah. was a very hard. And I came from a damn hardcore like, I'm an artist. I'm a craftsman. I'm a art like author. This is my yeah, vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will never let the notion of money sully my passion. And my integrity for my craft, but ironically, right? Actually, by selling out and doing,、uh, I did marketing at a med tech firm for, I think, a year plus, and that gave me the kind of、uh, it. It helped me pay off my debt first off, and it helped me save six months of my salary. That was about thirty six k lah. That was my target, and I hit it by working at this company. That, to be frank, ah,、uh, I went in there with no illusions that I would fall in love with the job, and、uh, it was not an artistic thing at all. There was no. Sexiness in terms of the craft and、yeah. pushing the boundaries. I just did it for the money. I was very wary that my peers would go. Oh, I see Wei Chun. He's selling out. He's doing a marketing at a med tech firm. Like just doing for money only. But actually, nobody said that because all my peers also those that are trying to fight for the dream are struggling also. Yeah. So when they see somebody from their batch kind of achieving their goals, whatever that goal might be, different for different people. They were also very happy for me, ah,、uh. and this fear that I had actually came from myself, ah.、Uh. I was just judging myself for kind of abandoning my my purpose because I remember when I was in uni, you know, I told myself like I can never lose my passion for animation. The day I do, I might as well kill myself. I told myself that kind of thing. So, like so, you're super hard on yourself, is it? I'm super hard. I'm very sensitive to like feedback and like I'm very sensitive to fears that I might be a lousy artist. <laughs> More than sixty percent of the comics you see on Vogue segment, right? Before I post it, I'm always scared, because when you post it, you can preview the thing. I'll scroll through it. Wow, this is so shit, man!、Like, <laughs> the, the the anatomy here not good. You know, the line work not nice. The the shading come out a bit here, but usually after I post, yeah, it's okay. Common、People、person just doesn't know. No, not every. Like, they never complain.、Nice、Nobody、eh. ever said、yeah. anything about my anatomy being shit or whatever, lah.、Yeah. It's all me. Have you seen my drawings? They are worse. Okay. But okay. I like your stuff. Oh, thank you. You used to have a site called like something I fart. Yes, I used to have a. I also ran a a web comic blog thing called If Only We Fart Flowers,、yeah. where I will also draw and write funny stories. But my drawings are like nowhere at your level. But <laughs> but it's not about the level.、Anymore. Here's what I realized: it's not about the level. That's the great thing about social media. Yeah. Like, yeah. This suspension of、uh, production quality, lah. Like because people really realize that content is where it's at. Like if your story is good, the artwork on top. Even if it's lousy, it's not even if it's lousy, it adds to it in a certain way, like rabat. Like personality, ah. Yeah, yeah. Per- yeah. Oh, cool, lah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you were saying that you very consciously made yourself、mm. go and 
get passionate about financial literacy. What about your co-founder? Like, how did he get passionate about that? I don't speak on his behalf, but I think for him it was also because he's in advertising. Advertising is a really, really hardcore industry to be in, especially if you're in the agency side, because it is all about awards, and there's a lot of overtime. You go home late, and you don't have much of a life when you're trying to climb that ladder, lah. It's really rough. The cameraman was nodding. It's really rough, and he didn't like the fact that it's like Chinese say, you know, like uh. 有钱没命花, which translates to I have money but I have no life to spend that money. And I think for him it was a little bit of that realization. Lah. And I think this is also why I think I like work salary men and the stuff that we do is that we try to not just say money, 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 lah, but money for what? What's your goal? I mean, you want Maserati, you want Lamborghini, fine. You have to understand how much you need and then work for that. And it's going to be a different lifestyle than somebody like my dream is to just quit and be able to do full-time the kind of artistic comics that I want to do. I don't draw horror comics for a living. That's my dream, lah. but I know for a fact that pay masters for that, not easy to find. Maybe next time, for some reason, can find like Horlicks, for some reason. Wanna, because when you're scared, you drink more Horlicks, then they sponsor the comic. Then I'll do it, lah, yeah, I'll do it. Lah, but Horlicks, if you're watching this. Like, if you're watching Horlicks, let's do it. Maybe. This is really funny that both you and your co-founder came from like a very more creative background actually. So how does that function between the both of you? It's very startup-y and it's very student project uh, how we do it. So we are we work super remotely and uh, we don't really work face to face a lot to be honest because what will just happen is I guess it's very good for COVID, you know, like it's it's so I didn't realize we were future proofing ourselves when we started <laughs> the workflow. So the workflow is very simple. My co-founder Rui Ming would write. So he would write something and he has a lot of this kind of musings uh, like he always think about ways to try to mind hack or trick people into saving or investing that haven't thought about it, especially young people. So he would write it out, usually in Google Docs or Google Slides. And I wish people can sometimes see how he lays out these slides because it is so bad and so rough. Because a lot of work goes into polishing that and also making it presentable. But what Rui Ming is fantastically good at, right, is copywriting. He's really good at just writing it in a way that makes it easy to remember, has a certain rhythm to it and people can take it with you and it stays in your mind. He's very good at like slogans and, and coming out of this kind of thing. I mean advertising writer. Lah. So he would send me that Google document. Then we talk on Facebook Messenger, literally. We just Facebook Messenger, talk, 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 talk. And then I would draw the first draft, which is a very sketchy version. The drawing would take me no more than five minutes for each drawing. I send it back to him. He see the visual direction okay or not. Then we just go back and forth, lah. Facebook Messenger and Google Docs. So it's super remote. We tried working together one time, but I hated it because he's a very micro guy. So I draw a little bit, like, can you move it here, move it there? So I just like, Yeah, get which out is my... actually my next question is that, like, do you all disagree the way certain things are to be We presented? disagree all the time. Oh. But the good thing about Rumi and I is that I'm so grateful that our frequencies are usually quite matched when it comes to this kind of thing, uh, because I can really imagine having worked in offices and in teams before, you know, like if you have somebody that's just either toxic or not on the same level in terms of your frequency, it's so difficult to not just work together, but to work through disagreements. That is so important. And the good thing about Remy is that he's always open to listening, even if he disagrees. And I think that's super important, even like in life, uh, like I find that so fundamental, the ability to be able to take something even that you disagree on an emotional level and assess it very objectively. Put your emotion aside and say, okay, should I take on this or not? And Remy is always able to do that. So whenever we disagree, right, there has been some emotional ones uh, like where I get too into it or he gets too into it. 
But then we have had zero big issues because he's always okay with and ultimately, compromising is, also. And ultimately, you all know it's like work, like it's not possible. And it all comes from a good place, yeah, because we both trust each other enough at a fundamental level that we just want this to work. That's always the, the main objective. Right? I think that's the key to any good content on social media or whatever. Lah. You want it to work as a communication piece to your audience. And ultimately, I always understand that that's where we are trying to do. So we resolve these things actually quite okay. Yeah. Okay, then speaking of, you know, communicating to your audience, right? You've had some people who've been very vocal and in terms of disagreeing with yeah, you guys, yeah. even from an audience perspective. Yeah. Like, what do you usually feel about that? I mean, your platform is to help people, but if you get like the opposite response, yeah. then do you feel upset? Oh, we hide comments. Oh, okay. We hide comments, I'll tell you like, and at first I was very against that because I'm a very like a freedom of speech guy. Like, I feel like everything should be allowed to be said. But when we are trying to build a community, and it is a community because that's what social media is. People can leave comments, they can talk to each other, and there are conversations that happen. If there are people that are just rude or just not being objective enough or open enough, in the way that they're communicating, we'll just block it. Because I think as a beginner, right, there are some spaces in, in personal finance that before we started work segment, there are some forums that I also visit as a beginner to ask questions. Uh. And when I hear people just like being dismissive or impatient, I get very demoralized. Uh. Like I'll ask something simple like, so uh, what's the pros and cons between the STI ETF and the Nikko AM whatever? And some of them are like, I cannot Google me. I just feel like it's very like, okay lah, I can lah, but... Could you say it nicely? Yeah. Say it nicely lah. That's very important lah, I think like to know how to curate. But we are all for people that disagree and a lot of times we get so much out of people that disagree because uh, another perspective to add to my arsenal of perspectives my blind spot is being addressed and i'm open to hearing it but don't be rude eh? if you are rude we are very undemocratic about it we just hide it no qualms about it so the next question is actually something that someone sent in what are your thoughts on the singaporean working life like is it too stressful you know is there anything you yeah. think is good about it bad about it I have to disclaim, not say my privilege, but my status first. I'm a foreigner, right? I'm a Malaysian, but I'm a PR here. So that's my government status. My stance on Singapore is that I love living in Singapore. I love people and culture here, and I would love to live here for the rest of my life. So I also have some vested interest in kind of, if I could have the influence to steer Singapore towards a direction that is, remains a country that I would like to stay in culturally, societally, economically. But from my perspective, right, coming from Malaysia, I think Singapore is a very small city-state. And that uniquely makes it so that Singapore, if you think about geographical, political game as a, as a card game, it gives Singapore a very small number of available strategies to negotiate, especially with the oncoming uh, climate and the, the, the regional climate. Because, uh, for example, Southeast Asia is poised to surge after China. So if you want to be in Singapore, I feel like it is inevitable that it's going to be stressful and that you have to, by all means that is available to you, try to become as valuable as possible. Because Singapore is very small and Singapore is super, super vulnerable. It might not seem that way for young people because uh, they lack a certain amount of historical perspective. If young people in Singapore don't make something of themselves and be able to contribute value, on an international level, meaning like I can provide something that the world will pay good money for. And money, I, I hate to justify everything by saying money is the metric of success. But this is the metric that I think we need to take at because money is a very, very transferable and applicable and universal metric. Singaporeans need to make something of themselves. Otherwise, 
the bargaining power of Singapore in the next 10-20 years will be very low. And when that happens, it is very easy. And I'm not even talking through military conquest. It could just be like foreign investment. If Singapore doesn't have that, that sort of value creation power, the ability to negotiate politically and, and across countries right, in the region, Singapore will become very weak. So a lot of people say living in Singapore is tough. It has to be tough. But you also have to understand with that toughness comes a lot of advantages that Singaporeans today have. The strength of your currency, for example, is immense. I mean, I'm Malaysian, I always get people who are 3 to 1, 3 to 1. Yeah, you have a great strength now, but that's not forever. Currency strengths can change. Next generation really need to... Not be complacent. Uh. Not be complacent. Singapore cannot afford it, it's too small. And in a small country with less people, you cannot have too many weak links in the chain. And I, I'm such a weak link because I'm an artist. Man. And then I wanted to discover myself, I want to express myself in ways that, you know, money-wise, I cannot substantiate. But it's good for culture, it's good for social... All that, yes, I still agree with that. But need to think about money also. Uh. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise, what am I doing? I'm just exploring myself at the expense of my fellow countrymen. Then the chain is weak. I feel like this kind of self-exploration, this kind of uh, self-expression can be done, but you should take care of yourself first. Make sure that you know how to either make money with it or make enough money or have enough family money that you can play with before you embark on it. And what I was last time, right, I wanted to make films about Singapore because I really love critiquing, reflecting and sort of criticising but in a loving way about Singapore and living in Singapore. But I was very annoyed when I was like, in my fourth year of university because I wanted to make independent animation films. And I couldn't figure out who will pay me to do that. I had to go to Disney somewhere and then do something that like musical, you know, the comedies. Yeah. I also not do that. I want to do artistic films. Who will pay me? Government pay me, maybe? If you're in Canada, yeah, maybe they'll pay you. Singapore government won't pay you. And I understand why. So it's, it's also unreasonable for me yeah. to want the government to bankroll my... So I think it's a fair critique of them. I've sort of put that, not, not put that aside, but I'm going to do that myself. I will take care of my own financial freedom first and then after that I'll do my self-expression and exploration. Yeah, I think that's, that's a good way of looking at it because I was just talking to Tishen who was the previous guest and she was also saying that while she makes her art, she also finds it's very important that she does her, her design work which she feels yeah brings a lot more value yeah. to society. Yeah. And I think coming out of art school so I think the weird thing about art school is that it just teaches you like yeah, you know, artistic expression, blah blah blah, you know, make something beautiful. Yeah, I, I can say so much about film intertextuality, I can analyse mise-en-scene but when I came out of school, I don't know what Texas are, I don't know how to do it. Exactly, and then like, the question also still becomes, how do you feel yourself? Yeah, why was I not taught this? Yeah, and I, now I'm actually becoming grateful of being able to have both sides, because I do think that creatives do need yeah. that. And it's not just creatives, yeah, it's funny you say that also, because I, I completely agree. I think like, ironically right, by me selling out for a year plus doing marketing and doing something that I mean, I don't feel it's my calling in life. It paid off my debt and it allowed me to save up six months of my salary, which now makes it, gives me that space to do work salary man full time, which I feel is my calling and I feel a lot of sense of duty. I, I love doing it, I'm drawing for a living. I can't believe my luck. So ironically, by selling out for a while, I'm now on the path where I feel like I am expressing myself, yeah. exploring my craft and getting better. Yeah, I mean, like, some people got rich parents, so like, I, some of my peers can do art and they can do their own thing. And I, I was very jealous, like, oh, la, rich, of course you can do, la, your parents can do you, right? <laughs> if I was in that position, I would do the same. It's true. But I don't have that privilege, so no point Instead whining about it. Instead of complaining about it, yes. I make my own privilege, la, so that is just not a card that I have. La. So you play the cards that you have, so all power to people who do their own art, because either they have inherited wealth or whatever, la, or they strike a lot lottery or whatever. So don't have, complain also no use. 
I'd rather go and make it happen. I'm going to move on to a slightly more, I would say, light-hearted question, which okay. is, what do you think is the number one thing that Singaporeans waste their money on? I would say... Uh, or something Singaporeans buy that you don't understand? Cars. Oh, really? And I love cars. Like I, I drive in Malaysia, because Malaysia driving is very cheap. But I think for Singapore, the, the cost to drive is so high. I think it's okay if you have a functional purpose for it. Like, I think unless you have a purpose for it, like I think cars are so expensive. Like, just, grabbing everywhere is so much easier. Don't have to find true. parking. You get the same kind of convenience. Or unless you have kids. La. But it's very expensive. La. I can afford one just about now. But I, I still cannot do it because it's too difficult. Oh, were you thinking more along lines of like lottery uh, that kind of thing? I don't know, I've seen a lot of time, lines of bubble tea, but that's just me. I think bubble tea is okay. I think it's not that crazy expensive. It's so expensive! Is it really? Like one cup, five dollars eh. Uh, do you all drink bubble tea? No. No? You see, you see oh, they all follow. Right? Yeah, that's why yeah. they all follow. Sorry, man. You can make at home also, right? I thought you were going to go with like, smaller item kind of answers, but you went to I think maybe coffee, yeah. I think coffee, expensive coffee is quite silly to me. Yeah. But I don't like to tell people that buying something is stupid also because everybody has their own kind of uh, yeah, right? thing. Uh. I also spend stuff on a lot of stupid shit. Uh. I used to spend a lot of money on cameras because I love cameras and I would I spent like thousands and thousands and I, so, I sold a lot of them recently. Uh. But that was a very unreasonable purchase, but it helped me learn some stuff. But I didn't need to buy so much to learn that stuff. So next question is sent in by somebody who was asking, what are some practical tips in order to see like peer pressure in Singapore when it comes to like, you know, everyone wants to go out and then spend money on a really expensive dinner yeah, yeah, yeah. or just activities and whatever not. I was actually quite lucky that I never had friends that are like that. I never went clubbing before and... Uh, oh, actually one thing that I, I think I also never people, went clubbing before. One thing that I think people, uh, Singaporeans spend a lot of money on stupidly, I think it's yum too. I, I don't get it. Oh, okay. I do not get it. And my friends have told me that it's like, oh no, you don't understand when you're there, uh, the atmosphere will get you. Then don't go. Uh, like, why would you put yourself <laughs> in that situation? Don't go. You know, I really cannot understand. And I've heard crazy stories about. And alcohol is really expensive. They, there. Yeah, of course. Uh, there's a market and they some like crazy amounts of money to. Sometimes it's not even about the girl, you know, to, to bid for the flower to hang. It is competition. With another table, some asshole trying to outbid then you walk. It's like, who is he? Yeah, who is he? Outbid him. <laughs> so it, it gets you at such an emotional level. The other thing that I, I get annoyed about Sam Till hearing about is like, like, the person that came out of it is so smart. Like, it's such an emotional game that they have set up. And it's not illegal. So it's such a brilliant business model. But I just, I can't get behind it. Like. It befuddles my mind. Okay, uh, then assuming you have friends who are like this, like, it will truly yeah, be Sam Yeah, how would you... I'm, I'm usually not friends with people like that, to be honest. Because if you are locked down to this kind of lifestyle and you have the ambition of trying to work for financial freedom, why not be that guy in the clique that, I he very Then let that be you, like, like, I'm the Kamsap guy. And then just, <laughs> just, just embrace it like, and, and roll with it. Like. I think like, if, if people want to whack you, the best thing you can do is to whack yourself first. And say, I, I don't want I don't this kind of thing. But it's very hard also. Like. I mean, like, it's like, you know, when you're in school, then you meet different people, especially orientation, then you kind of get the sense, ah, this guy may be my kind of vibe, this guy maybe not, and you kind of test out different versions of hanging out with different kinds of people, then you find your click later on. But that's a damn good question also, because peer pressure is one of the greatest things that can shape your mindset, and I have friends that, like, from primary school or secondary school, that I haven't met them, and they're such different people, like, not from when I knew them, but their mindset of thinking are so, so different from me, like, the way they justify certain things, like, I have friends who don't earn that much, I don't think they earn enough to have a car, but they have a car, that kind of thing, I think you, you, you need at least 8k to be able to afford a car in Singapore, that's what I think, monthly, because the upkeep for a car is quite a lot, and this guy is, like, or girl, I don't say who it is, like he can justify like affording it like when he's maybe four-ish, five-ish and I just cannot. 
understand. But for him, it's a very lifestyle thing. That's what the word he keeps using, and it, it just makes me crazy. And it's probably what, because lifestyle? of the people who are who, who the people are who are around him. Right? Yeah, so his industry. Yeah, sometimes like an industry thing. Yeah, the yeah, industry yeah. is like that, and and it's just so hard coded. I think like it's so important to have a thought about like what you want in life, financially, and what kind of lifestyle you need to get there. What kind of earning you need to have, and what kind of expenditure you need to have. And if your expenditure is, you know, going to be like spending a lot of money on nice cars and the lifestyle of having a nice car, I think then you need to be realistic. You need to earn a lot of money, and that's fine. Go and earn a lot of money. But otherwise, I guess you would say like, just be okay with being different. Like if they know you as, oh, you're a Yeah, if they don't want to be friends with you because you're weird, then maybe don't hang out with them. Yeah. <laughs> it's very that's important, like, this thing. It's not like, you know, I have a friend, but it really is so potent, you know, peer pressure. It's scarily potent, I think. Okay, then maybe just generally, what are some money mistakes that you've made over the years uh, that you've learned stuff from? Like I said camera just now, you know, but I think that's inevitable. I think everybody probably has at least one vice that they spend too much money on, you know, the hobby or something. Financially, I think the number one mistake I made was not getting a credit card. I embodied the frugal essence mindset. of being frugal so yeah. much that I didn't get a credit card. But actually, that's bad because when I later had to take a loan for my house, my resale HDB flat, I cannot get a good loan because I have no credit rating. And I was very confused when the bank told me that, like, sorry sir, we don't, we have no credit. What do you mean I have no credit rating? I have never borrowed. Isn't that an even better thing? Like, I never have been in debt. No, no, no. Like, what we want is to understand that you can get in debt and that you can pay it off because if you are in no debt, we also cannot earn anything from you. Get a credit card. I think when you turn 18, get a credit card and pay it off every month. Because it will also train you to understand how credit works and how you can spend money in advance and you always have to pay it off because you get hit by that. Credit card like interest rates are no joke. So if you get hit by it a few times, like you will never do it again. You will learn. I set up an automatic alarm on my clock, like, pay off your credit card every month. <laughs> okay, we're down to the last couple of questions. I'm sure you agree, la, like money isn't everything. I feel that that's also the charm of the works every man is that even for Paige that you know constantly talks about money, something in there, your value things like certain principles more than money itself. So my question is, if money isn't everything, then what is? I think meaning, fulfillment in life and to, and I think everybody's meaning is different. Like, I don't know if y'all know the show Sex Education, have y'all seen that? Okay, if you haven't seen it, right, it's on Netflix. It's, it's, when you first see the trailer, it's like some raunchy, you know, teen show. But it's actually fantastic because I love that show because there's a huge myriad of characters and, and that show is set in like a school environment where it's like a microcosmos of different kinds of people. You have the rich kid who's an athlete, super talented. Then you've got the poor kids, you know, or, or, or struggling like prepubescent kid trying to get laid, that kind of thing. And everybody has their own, what I like to call boss battle. Everybody got their own situation in life that everybody else sees, but they have their own inner problem that they're trying to deal with. This applies to every single body, no matter how rich you are. And there's a guy there called Jackson. Jackson is a star athlete swimmer. Both his parents are rich. He is uh, intelligent. He's good looking. He's popular and he has a scholarship. His life is set already, but he don't want to do that. He just wants to do other things. You know, so the important thing is to kind of understand what you want in life and maybe it will change. I think a big mistake a lot of people make is they go for happiness. Like this concept of chasing happiness, I feel it's a bit flawed because I feel like happiness is like the weather, but having meaning, having fulfillment is the climate. So it's not just being sad, you know, because sometimes it's rain, sometimes it's sun, it's out and it's nice, but there's a seasonal kind of climate and you want to make sure that your seasonal climate is good. And as a very neurotic person, I am very easily swayed by little things that happen in my day. You know, my Lazada order don't have stock. Oh, oh, oh. 
I can very easily get like quite upset. But I think where happiness comes from for me in my daily life is that I can zoom out, look at my situation, and I think life is okay, like it's not bad. And in my current situation, I feel like I have a pretty good thing going on. Like I can draw for a living. That blows my mind. Like I can do that and earn yeah. enough money. Like. That's crazy. I can pay my bills and my mortgage. That's crazy. So money is not the be all and all lah. But you have to consider money because money is a very important factor, a very important cog in life. But I think a lot of people don't think about that because it is a difficult thing to think about because money is very objective. And when it comes to things that are emotional, like you know, happiness and fulfillment, like I don't want to conflate it together, but it fits together and it's an important part of it. But it's not the main point. I think that's very important for work salary people everywhere to think about. On the note of like purpose, right? So this is the last question, which is what is the mission of the Work Salary Man and what do you want to achieve with this platform or have you what have you already achieved with it? I think I always say this, I I I want people to develop better relationships with money. And I and I say relationship because it's not just a lot of people think about money as just like who do want more money? Yeah. But money is something that you have to have conversation with because it changes based on what your goals in life are. And it's something that you need to go back and update from time to time. It's not like I set it here. It's like a relationship with somebody. I set it here, then we are done now. We don't need to put in any more effort. You need to constantly check back in. Unless you make so much money or you spend so little money that you no longer have to think about it, then okay, all power to you. But even if you say a lot of money invested, five million invested in what? Stocks. So stocks also can fall. Then what? You know, so you still need to look back. That's why I think we appeal to beginners the most is to even realize that money is an important thing, but not the absolute thing. I think we might be on both spectrums. But. And for me, it's more about the trying to realize that money is important. Like one of our posts that I, I really loved that we did was one where it was about money can buy happiness. Because you hear a lot, money cannot buy happiness. So we ran a very contrarian headline to hook people. La. But that's not the be all and all. The, the, the actual narrative is a lot more nuanced than that. La. So I think the important thing is to just understand that money is important in life. <laughs> yeah, and you all want to send that message, uh, especially for... Money is important. Do you think young people are starting to, you know, I th- I think not, I guess, not uh, see uh, the importance as much as, say, our like forefathers? Yeah, so, so there was something going around, like a, I won't call it a meme, but this thing going around, like a, good times create weak men. So I'm going to say men, but you know, men, women, they, them, whatever, right? <laughs> good times create weak people. Weak people create bad times. Then bad times create good people. So prosperity can spoil you. And if you just think about this as a natural cycle of things, and recessions are like that. Everything is a cycle. Everything repeats itself. So where is Singapore now? <laughs> it's doing well. So what is the likely product of that? You know, people that are spoiled. Uh. Complacent, uh, yeah. Complacent, uh. And I do see it. Uh. That's my own personal opinion. Some people get offended when I say it, but I don't care. Uh. Because you're not paying for my living wages anyway. So I also don't care what you think. And I think that's the thing that people need to be very careful about. And money comes into that because money, again, is a metric of objectivity. And it's a metric that is universally exchangeable. So so we can really see on a global level where we are by thinking about money and value and contribution. Okay, so we've come to the end of the interview. And you know, actually, yeah, what I love about the Work Salary Man is that you're really like, demystify personal finance for everybody and I think for a lot of people you know it's not just yeah I guess we are complacent but also we just don't really understand much about it I also don't know a lot of things every time I read something my co-founder writes something I'm like wow really I didn't know that 
So I'm learning as I draw also. Yeah, so I think it's actually tough. you are a great poster boy for your own platform because you are two creatives who are making... That's true, that's true. Yeah, who are so in spite of the fact that we started out as exactly. idealistic people, you know, we are... Like, if you all can understand, so can everyone uh, else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think that's really cool. Uh, and I think your platform has helped so many Singaporeans. I hope so. I think Singaporeans, Filipinos, Malaysians, whatever. Uh, I think one of the great things also is that we are very Singaporean in the way that we talk about the issues, but we also have quite a lot of... Uh, fans from the US and Philippines and, and, and Malaysia and whatnot, and even though we use very local terms, they are willing to roll with it. Yeah. Like, I love that. It's like, you know, like, when you watch Japanese anime, then they just draw their own backgrounds. They don't care if you understand what futons yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. And but you go with it because the connect is so good. And I would love that if we can one day be on that level where we can communicate Singapore culture and way of living. Like, yes. we draw HDB, then the laundry hanging out. Then some Americans might ask, what is that building, what is that? Then we answer, then, oh, okay, that's quite interesting. Yeah. And we are sort of spreading Singapore culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Okay, so thank you so much for joining us today, Weichun. And thank you guys for joining us today. I hope you had fun. And thank you everyone who's watching at home. I'll see you guys on the next episode of Becoming Friends with. Bye!